Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. But we're currently in a series about end-time promises, because it's not going to be long before Jesus comes back. Anybody excited for that? I'm like, Jesus, you can come back now, next month, or, you know, when, come on, we're, we're ready for you. Could be any time. Um, but in order to accomplish everything that he has for us in these last days, we have to live in his promises. So this series is not just, I'm not just up here teaching about God's promises. I'm expecting a manifestation of God's promises. And we've already had some great testimonies already. Anybody remember those from last week? I can tell you there are more to come. But last week we talked about the unwanted end-time promise of persecution and troubles. And just very timely today, I get an email this morning from somebody who is very offended by our billboard right now, and they were just letting me know. So not a week goes by that I don't face some sort of persecution. I've had several emails this week, probably because I preached this message, but they don't know, like, I'm totally just, I don't want to say hardened, but I'm bulletproof to the persecution at this point because I've been hit by the bullet so many times. I got my vest on now. (laughs) Ain't no big deal. But we would rather God shield us from the persecution and the troubles, um, but he allows them sometimes for a reason. You know, if the Lord's not rescuing you from your trouble, it's because you're going to learn how to overcome your trouble so your trouble can not overcome you anymore, right? It can't bother you anymore. So I'm glad that he let me go through all that persecution the past two years instead of shielding me from it, or I'd still be that wimpy person that I was two years ago. So when troubles come, when persecution comes, rejoice! Hallelujah! I'm glad I'm being persecuted because it's not going to take you out. It's just going to turn you into an overcomer. Amen. So I'm wondering if anybody has already been transformed into an overcomer. Like maybe you came in last week a little bit depressed about your troubles, but this week you showed up thankful for your troubles. Anybody in the room had that transition already? All right. Look at these crazy people raising their hands saying they are thankful for their troubles. Count it all joy, but it's good to be crazy, isn't it? Because that means we're like Jesus. Jesus was a little crazy. Take a look at this scripture right here, 1 Peter 2.21. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. All right. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Aren't you glad I keep bringing you all your favorite scriptures? I mean, these are great, right? We should just look at these every Sunday. Wonderful. So today I'm going to build on last week's message with God's promise of protection. That's what we're going to talk about today, protection. Because when you understand that persecution and troubles turns you into an overcomer, and then you pair that with confidence in God's protection, you become unstoppable. If the enemy can no longer intimidate you with fear or distract you with troubles, he has no ammo left. It's kind of like you're walking through, destroying the kingdom of darkness. He's trying to shoot things at you, and nothing's happening. He's like, God, they're bulletproof. So I've already helped you overcome your troubles. Now let me help you build your confidence in God's promise of protection. So, you know, today people admire me for my boldness. I'm not afraid to confront culture with the word of God. I don't care if people get mad at me for speaking the truth. I just simply honestly don't care anymore. But I haven't always been this bold. You know, I became lead pastor of No Limits Church in June of 2018. And back then we were still on the cruise ship of Christianity. Anybody remember those days? I could come and preach a good self-help message, and everybody would leave happy with me still. Nobody got mad at me going home. We were all enjoying our country club church experience and patting ourselves on the back because we created something that everybody enjoyed. 
Even sinners felt welcome in our church services. And since we are called to reach the lost, we convinced ourselves that we were on the right track. Our flesh was happy, so surely God was happy. I was simply regurgitating things that I had learned from some of the largest churches in America. Surely, since they got that, that big, they could teach us something, right? Turns out there's a problem when, you me- when your measurement of success is the wrong measurement. You end up in the wrong place. The size of a church is not how God measures success. God is looking for a church who trusts him and who lives according to his word. He's coming back for a bride without spot or without wrinkle. That's the kind of church he's looking for. He didn't say anything about the size of it, did he? But we were convinced that church attendance reveals the value of a church. Most of America is convinced of that, that I'm going to go to the big church because they must be doing something right because they're so big. So we were all striving to be like the big churches back in 2018. And around that time, I went to a church growth conference where they explained how our Sunday services should be designed to reach the lost. We should have services that lost people love to attend. And since we are called to reach the lost, right, it sounds pretty good, but I could never get it to fit into what God was asking me to do here at No Limits Church. Nevertheless, I used to preach these things in my growth track because surely that church got so big because they're doing this thing, so they must be right. And I'd say in a growth track, our Sunday services are designed to reach the lost because we should have services that lost people love to attend. And every time I would say that, the Holy Spirit in me would say, wrong, wrong. So talk about an inner struggle. I could get almost anybody to agree with me except the Holy Spirit. So I figured maybe if the Holy Spirit sees the results of increased church attendance, he'll get on board. Well, I only had about a year to try to pull it off before 2020 came. And even in that year of my best effort, the church didn't grow. I've since learned that God's design for the church is for believers to get together, to get equipped, to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Sunday services are training grounds so that we can get equipped to reach the lost in our daily lives. And with the church growth strategy I learned, you know, we're only reaching the lost one day of the week with this watered-down version of the gospel. But with God's strategy, we have strong believers reaching the lost every day of the week in their daily lives. It's awesome. I think God's strategy is a little bit smarter than ours. But there I was pursuing the American church growth strategy, and then COVID showed up (laughs) and shut the doors. And you know, from the beginning of COVID, I had this suspicion. I was like, hmm, something, something fishy's going on here. But I also carried the weight of the health of my congregation. It was tough. So we went to online services when Governor Stitt asked us to. I mean, what a crazy time for all of us, right? We had never been asked to shelter in place because of some virus. So we didn't really know where it was going to go. And during the first two weeks of lockdown, we were extremely busy, especially me and Dylan, like just getting the technology in place to stream our services, because up to that point, we had never streamed our services. We just put the recording online later. So it was a busy two weeks. But when things calmed down in that third week, the Spirit of God shouted within me. He said, turn off the news and never watch it again. But, but, but I got to know the stats to know if we can go back to church and if people are going to get sick and I got to watch the stats and see how many people are dying and... uh, Most of the time, God speaks to me through this gentle voice of the Holy Spirit, like so precious. But this was a loud, authoritative voice. So I turned off the news. It's one of those, you know, when your dad shouts at you, and you're like, I ain't going to ignore that. So I turned off the news, and nobody was going to convince me to turn it back on. 
In the days following, the Lord began to instruct me, open up the church and do not pay attention to what the other pastors are doing. So after five weeks of online-only services, we were one of the first churches in Owasso to come back to in-person services. But looking back, I should have never closed the church. But I'm so thankful for God's grace that covers our honest mistakes like this. But you should know we will never, never shut the doors again. You can fool me once, right? But you ain't going to fool me twice. We ain't doing that again. And when I was preparing today's message, I actually looked back to find out what was I preaching back then when we were doing those five weeks of online services. And interestingly, I was preaching things that I learned at that church growth conference. (laughs) This is humorous to me because God kind of like just let me get it all out of my system while nobody was really paying attention anyway. (laughs) Isn't that great? And so from there, we went into our summer series, and I didn't preach for eight weeks. I lined up eight different speakers and took the summer off. And during those eight weeks, I was like a caterpillar in his cocoon, transforming into something completely different. And when I got back on stage after that summer break, I was no longer the feel-good preacher everybody remembered. I showed up in August of 2020 to destroy the works of the enemy, and I haven't stopped. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. So it took a few weeks for everybody to figure out what was going on. They're just like out there like looking at me with this shocked look on their face. Like, who is this guy? Like, where did he come from? But once they got over the shock, then the persecution came. (laughs) They gave me some grace for a few weeks. And they're like, oh, I ain't going to put up with this. Kate's coming up and hurting my feelings. He's offending me. And I quickly realized that I did not have a full revelation of God's protection. You're wondering, where are we going to get back to God's protection? Here we are. I thought I, ha- I thought I did. I thought I had a revelation of it. But there I was. I was getting out of bed several times a night just to make sure the doors were locked. Because this was when all those BLM protests were going on. They were burning down cities. People were threatening me on social media. They were threatening my family. My church members were slandering me behind my back. And I remember laying in bed at night just terrified for my family. Because you guys know I have five small kids, ages six and under. And I'd have these visions of one of those crazy woke people coming into my house to torture my family because I was standing for righteousness. But I knew I couldn't stop. Like I was one of the few people who dared to speak the truth during this time. And I was not about to deny the one that I serve. I I couldn't. I knew about God's protection, but I clearly didn't have a revelation of it because of the way that I was acting. But eventually I got tired of being tormented at night. And I did what I knew to do all along. I found my scriptures on God's protection, and I began to meditate on them. Turns out there is no shortage of scripture on God's promise of protection. It's everywhere. But let me share with you the one that made the greatest impact, and it's Psalm 91. I'm going to read the whole thing to you because it's so beautiful. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Another reason we are talking about promises right now, because they're your armor and they're your protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies by the day. Do not dread the disease. Do not dread COVID that stalks in the darkness. 
nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer and I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Hallelujah. That's good. Amen. I read Psalm 91 out loud daily several times a day for months. And every time I read it, God's promise of protection would drop deeper and deeper and deeper into who I am until it became a full-on revelation. And now you cannot convince me otherwise. God will protect me from every attack of the enemy. He will. He will. There is nothing Satan can do to harm me or harm my family because God is my refuge. And like I said a few weeks ago, I have yet to find a promise that is not attached to a condition. Even God's promise of protection, in order to live in it, you have to make him your refuge. Let me read this part to you again. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. There are a lot of good Christian people who have died early from an attack of the enemy. They had God's protection available They just didn't live in it because they didn't make God their refuge. Let me put it to you this way. If you look to yourself for protection, God is not your refuge. If you look to the police or your alarm system for protection, God is not your refuge. I'm not saying to live carelessly and leave your doors and windows unlocked and you can't own a gun. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is that you cannot trust in those things. Because every other means of protection has faults. What if you can't get to your gun? What if the police don't show up in time? What if you can't be there to protect your kids? The only fail-proof means of protection is making God your refuge. You live under his shelter, and you trust him to rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Speaking of, during this time, same time period, I had a very severe health battle that not very many people know about because I did a good job hiding it. In the midst of learning how to deal with threats and persecution, I became very sick. And I'm sure it's all interconnected somehow because the enemy was trying to take me out. I painted a big target on my chest as if, give me your best shot. And he did. So, you know, he was trying to shut me down, but I don't get shut down. I mean, even as a kid, I never gave in to peer pressure. If I was going to do something, it's because I wanted to do something. You're not going to make me do something. So for all the parents who have those hard-headed kids... Just know that God made him that way. It makes for tough parenting. (laughs) I know, I got a few of them. But it makes for strong leaders. To this day, I don't know what type of sickness I was dealing with because every time I was about to head to the doctor, I would sense the Holy Spirit say, don't go, trust God. I'm not saying that you should never go to the doctor. Don't hear what I'm not saying, right? That's just what he told me in this season. There were days that my vision was so bad that I could only work for about 30 minutes because I work on the computer, and then I'd have to go lay down in a dark room for about an hour before I could get back up and go to work again, because I was seeing stars and flashes and tunnel vision and all kinds of things going on. 
And I'm not one who takes naps very often, maybe like a few times a year, but it came to a place where I was taking several naps a day just to function because I was so tired. And these issues would cause anxiety, which would make things worse. My chest would get tight. I'd start taking those tiny breaths and my heart would start racing out of my chest. And when most would be tempted to just go lay in bed and mope at this point, I would force myself to go outside and go walk or go run. And you know what? That cured the anxiety almost every time. Something about God creating nature for us and our legs that move, right, to get out and do some exercise. But even with these struggles, I'd show up every Sunday with a smile on my face and deliver the word that God wanted me to deliver. And there was a supernatural source of strength on Sundays, and that's why most people didn't even know what I was going through. But I didn't have that same strength throughout the week. The rest of the week, I was dragging myself through the mud, and I was just fighting just to meet the bare minimum of what was expected of me at work. And after several months of this, I'm talking like six, seven, eight months of this ongoing, the enemy started whispering his lies. You're going to die young. You're going to leave your wife alone to raise your kids by herself. And I'm not scared to die. I'm really excited to go to heaven, actually. But I do not want to leave my wife and kids. I'm not going to leave here until my earthly assignment is finished. And they are part of my earthly assignment, by the way. So once again, it took a while, but then I did what I know to do. I went and I found my scripture to stand on. And here's what I found. In Psalm 128, it says, How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor, how joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. That's probably why we have so many kids, because I've been saying this psalm so many times. <laughs> your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have peace. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. When I found that, that was my scripture to stand on. Because you know what that says to me? Number one, I'm going to live to a ripe old age. Number two, I'm going to be full of energy. Because I'm going to be enjoying my grandchildren. I want you to notice, though, once again, there's a condition. It said, that is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. So what does it mean to fear God? It means you deny yourself and you follow him. It means you trust him with everything that you are. That's what, that's what the fear of the Lord is. So I put this scripture on my bathroom mirror, and I read it every day. And I would always say, you see that, Satan? You see it? I'm going to live to be a healthy old man if Jesus doesn't come back before then, because I'm a man who fears the Lord. This is my promise. This is what I'm going to live in. And the more I read it, God's promise of health and old age would drop deeper and deeper into who I am until it became a full-on revelation. So before that, though, whenever a symptom would come against my body, I would start to worry. But now that I have this revelation, I laugh whenever a symptom comes on my body because I know it's going to be short-lived. Ha! You ain't going to last very long. You're headed out the door right now. Nothing can take me out until I decide that it's time to die. And you know, that's the truth that Jesus demonstrated for us. Look at this. This is so awesome. John 10, verse 18. This is Jesus talking. He says, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also take it up again. Who decided when Jesus was to be arrested, beaten, and killed? Was it the religious leaders? No. Was it the Roman soldiers? Was it the governor? Was it Judas? No, it was Jesus. 
Jesus decided when it was time to lay down his life. Do you know why this truth is so important? For two reasons. First, it shows you that Jesus willingly sacrificed his life to save yours. He didn't have to do it. He wasn't made to do it. He wanted to do it. Isn't that good news? He wanted to make a way for you to be reconciled with God and have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. And the second reason this is important is because the same goes for you. God has given you authority over your own life. The only one who can decide when to lay it down is you. It's you. And I understand that what I just said comes with a lot of opposing thoughts. You start thinking about all the people who have died who shouldn't have. Maybe they died in a car accident or as a child or whatever the case may be. There's lots of people who die prematurely. And sometimes it's by choice, but most of the time it's because they didn't know that God gave them the authority over their own life. So Satan took advantage of the situation. He came in to do what he does, kill, steal, and destroy. And that's why you need to know this. Otherwise, you leave the door open for Satan to come in and kill you before your time is up. Remember, Jesus decided when it was time to lay down his life. And he wants you to know that you can decide when it's time to lay down your life. You don't have to die prematurely. God wants to satisfy you with long life. And when you understand this truth, you live your life differently, don't you? Fear no longer controls you. Sickness no longer scares you. Death is no longer a big deal. You live with confidence knowing, hey, I get to decide when it's time. So when you face sickness, you laugh because you know, ha, that's not going to take me out. I don't care what they call it, cancer, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. It ain't going to take me out. When you get in the car every day, you just drive around with peace. No, car accident's not going to take me out. No, it's not. When God asks you to go somewhere dangerous or do something dangerous, you say, all right, God's going to protect me as I go do this. Let's go on an adventure. This is going to be awesome. You know, some people would think this is blasphemy, that we're somehow offending God by living in the authority that he gave us. But it actually pleases God when we live in our God-given authority. And in case you're struggling to believe that we can walk in the same authority that Jesus had on the earth, look at this in 1 John 1, 6. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did, just as he did. Did Jesus allow death to take him out before he was ready? No. He decided when to lay down his life, and we are to live our lives just as Jesus did. Walk in your authority. You decide when to lay down your life. So do you need to fear sickness? No. Do you need to fear danger? No. Do you need to fear threats from those who are possessed by woke demons? No. Because God will protect you, number one. And number two, they're empty threats. They never follow through. I know from experience. (laughs) They're wimps. They won't ever come to your face and tell you. They only tell you online. Just remember, if you make the Lord your refuge, if, 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 if you make the most high your shelter, No evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. Be confident in God's promise of protection because it's the real deal. He'll protect you from evil. He'll protect you from sickness. And he gave you the authority to decide when it's time to die. Anybody going to use their authority? Amen. Praise God. God's good. Thank you so much for joining us, and a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. 
And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.